welcome to the Modern Bloke Podcast. We're a community of blokes sharing our vulnerabilities and our expertise to help develop our capabilities to be better blokes. The aim of this is to improve our mental health, blokes culture and society. So let's get into it. All right, welcome back to another episode of The Modern Bloke. I'm Sean Coffin, your host um, and the one kind of asking the questions and facilitating. Um, episode type today is another getting to know the community of blokes. I think it's so important that we see representation from blokes and realise that this isn't just me spouting uh, my opinion um, or verbal rhetoric, but um, we actually have other blokes building this community, supporting us, who are just everyday modern blokes. Um, we've got Michael Ray today, who's also known as the Solo Dad. So welcome, Michael. G'day, Sean. G'day, everyone. For all those people, we're going to be talking about Michael Ray as a Solo Dad. Um, you can find him on Instagram at Michael Ray underscore Solo Dad or at michaelray.com.au. Um, now, on your Instagram bio, you say you're a Solo Dad, writer, public speaker, blogger, master of ceremonies, an advocate for equality for change. A lot of things. Tell us what that kind of summation is um, and then we'll get into your story of how you became the solo dad. So go, the floor is yours. Well, Sean, all of those things basically means I'm somebody who likes the sound of my own voice. Um, <laughs> I actually have a perspective that isn't unique, but it's a little bit different from what's heard in the equality sphere or in the space that I work in, because I've come to the realization that um, as much as the uh, current level of initiatives and programs have gone on for equality, some of them may have actually reinforced outdated gender expectations that have allowed mums to increase their workload outside of the home while still maintaining the workload inside of the home because a lot of them were conceived during a time when men were still considered either incapable or disinterested in raising children. So a lot of it was, how can mums be able to work and how can we support mums being able to care for their children? Because there wasn't a concurrent focus on, well, how can we enable dads to step out of the workforce and help with the kids? And there are a whole lot of uh, factors that flow into it. There's deaths by a thousand cuts. The pay gap contributes contributes to it because, you know, we've got to maximise our earnings. So if dad's earning more than mum, that all of a sudden throws up a, a separate consideration that weights the decision a little bit further to dad working and mum not. A lot of women feel pressure because we have this outdated, fetishised image of motherhood with, you know, all the sayings, only a mother's love, mother knows best, um, you know, maternal instinct, all of which serve to increase pressure on women. Um, women are judged, judged a lot more harshly on their choices around children, whether it be choosing to prioritise their career, they're judged as bad mothers um, and they have to put up with all of that. And dads, we also hit barriers and hurdles to us being more involved and present from our employers, from the media where we're portrayed as bumbling dads and even our wives who may feel marginalised or threatened by bub calling out for, you know, daddy instead of mummy. And I know what that feels because, how it feels, because Charlie and I were completely, just her and I from uh, nine months through to seven years. And for the last two years, I've got the most wonderful partner, 
but we spend weekends at her place. Weekdays, it's just Charlie and I. And on the weekends, I'm a dirty dishcloth all of a sudden. It's like, Robin, Robin. And it's like, you know, what happened to dad? So, <laughs> and that's why I'd say to mums, it's not a unique feeling to mums because of this mythical maternal instinct. It, it happens to me as well. But I also feel the judgment that you feel. Um, my daughter's just started a year ago or so wanting to do her own hair. And because one day she mentioned another girl's hair at kindy, I went off and had lessons, how to do plaits, French blades, fish bones, all the rest of it. So we would turn up at school with this great hair and everyone would say, oh, you know, gee, that's great hair, who'd do it? And I, well, I did. Oh, wow, you're amazing and, you know, stuff like that. And now my daughter's decided to do it. I can't believe the judgment I feel. I feel like walking behind her with a sign saying, I'm not responsible for that hairdo because I feel like I'm being <laughs> that's, judged. that's why I said I used to be this big tough bouncer and now I'm I'm worried about that. So it it's it's a such a unique and intrinsic feeling that comes from parenthood. So not gender specific. Oh, I love that. And we'll get into your actual story. So I will um before we do that. I'll pull apart a little bit about what you've said because 100% agree. I couldn't be more, um, and my listeners will know, or followers will know, I couldn't be any more um, supportive of exactly what you're saying. Um, and I think that when I get annoyed at society discussions being split because of we don't have empathy for other sides, but also understanding the, um, the gray areas of, all of society issues and specifically when we're talking about like parenting um, and stereotypes, um, I look at gener culture over generation. So you, you, you talk, you know, you're talking my language when you're talking about that. Um, I often say with, you know, the I'm showing up is we've got to empower boys and men and to, to be more independent and to, you know, really strive. I think we drop the ball on that in a generation and it's the generation that you're kind of talking about where, um, that's what the issue will come as we focused on empowering mothers. Um, I always say it's how come when women came into the workforce, we started worrying about work-life balance. Where was that care for men <laughs> kind of, you know, when it was male dominated. Um, but it's an empathy for all. Um, it's looking at how this, how one issue affects the other or one um, impacts the other, but then, and then looking from their side and trying to go, okay, well, let's work something that works. Um, because I want to stipulate, you're not, and, and we talk about, it's not an us versus them thing. It's um, not a men's rights activist of, oh, well, if they get this, we get that. This is purely a constructive. This is working with women. This is working with society and workers to go. And I agree with what you're doing. And my thing is, it's a solution-based focus on what's better for society um, by discussing what issues we kind of face. So I um, just wanted yeah, to put out to any, any listeners, you know, this discussion sometimes gets railroaded on other platforms, but this is definitely a respectful, empathetic and working for, um, discussion. So, Sean, at the moment, that's why I'd say so much of women's equality issues have their basis on who's tasked with doing the majority of the caring. And as much as I speak to so many women who are um, staunch, dedicated, 
fantastic advocates for feminism, which I'm all for because feminism means equality. My daughter is, you know, able to do anything. My partner that I have now is physically stronger than me. And I'm a big bloke. I hold okay. national records in powerlifting. She holds world records. She, she's only two thirds my weight, yet she can lift about 20% more than me. And it's funny in the gym watching guys say, hey, are you finished on that? And I say, well, you'll have to ask her. She's using it. <laughs> yeah. there's, there's four plates on the squat rack and it's uh, she's and they laugh yeah and and that's why i say the the ability to um not have that outdated gender expectations where i should earn more and you know she should be subservient all the rest of her in it but a lot of these great advocates for feminism still have the view that men aren't as well prepared or naturally suited for raising children and when I say to them, you know, I'm, I don't mean any disrespect, but I think you've drunk from the patriarchal Kool-Aid. Like you're singing hymn 101 from the playbook of the things that have been used to limit and subjugate women. It's yep. okay for you to do all of that as long as you don't fall down on taking care of the kids. That must be your priority, everything else. Then women in the 70s, 80s were sold, you can have it all. You know, you can have the perfect family and the great career and all. You can't quite have anything if you're trying to have it all. Yeah. And, you know, men were let off the hook, scot-free. You know, a lot of men that I speak to say, no, what do you mean? Well, I'm not working against it. I'm in favour of it. Yeah. And it's like, it's you need to do more than that. You need to be prepared to step back and go, I'll work three days a week and you work three days a week. And then our childcare subsidy isn't, you know. And that's, at. that's the, um, I, I've been speaking to this with my partner. I'm currently going through organizing paternity leave and my company gives six months of paternity leave. Um, and that is one where, I see that that is expectations of gender when it's, we haven't had the discussions do negatively harm uh, men, well, to be honest, children, because they don't get both, far, uh, both parents. But you mentioned with male stereotypes and stigmas, and that links in with what I talk about, the brand of man. And as you said, we kind of, we got, we got a free pass. You know, we, we didn't, we, we didn't have to have pressure for it. However, I think that, that didn't, it seems that the new kind of generation or the new, the recent thinking, it's now not marrying up or we kind of wish it's now becoming a penalty for us because we're raising men to be more open. We're raising men to be more engaged, more empathetic and wanting and, and be better parents. Um, it's just the stereotype hasn't caught up. The, the, I call it the brand of man. And then the, the culture um, hasn't caught up yet. And I see that's where there's been a fair bit of disconnect and issues. Um, what's your solution? So what, what do you advocate for or, or plan? Um, for me, Sean, th there are a whole lot of realisations. Like I said, I came from a hyper-masculine um, environment where I was a strength and conditioning coach with some really high performing teams. I was the strength and conditioning coach for the Sydney Swans reserves at one stage, worked with a lot of boxers. So all, you know, it was about, I can lift more, I can fight more, I can drink more and all of the rest of it. Um, I worked 
the vast majority of my uh, youth is a, a bouncer in some fairly <laughs> frightening situations. So I've watched a lot of bravado and, um, and I was caught up in it. Suddenly when you have a daughter and the thing that made me realise it was how inadequate I felt because basically my preparation for parenting from my parents was, you know, you wait until you have kids and see how you like it. That, that was the yeah. discussion. Yeah. So also with the fetishized images of mother knows best, maternal instinct, things like that, what happens is most of the men that I speak to, their wife has a baby, they think that they know. Whereas if it's the first child for both of you, it, it's not really expected. It just comes down to time and role. But what happens is we defer to mum. What should I do? How should I do this? And it's a first child. So to put that extra pressure on mum, who may be struggling with all the normal frustrations of raising this squirming little pink infant, you know, everything from colic to sleep deprivation, all the way through to breastfeeding and even, you know, postnatal depression. And we keep putting it back on them. We think, I want to be the greatest supportive partner and dad in the world. So I'm going to do whatever mum asks of me, whatever she says needs doing. And what that does is it just adds extra pressure with the mental load. And women aren't that comfortable, the ones I've spoken to, with speaking up and asking for help because not only are they being judged as a mother, but they're actually seen as somehow flawed because they've been drummed into it. Oh, no, women have a maternal instinct. It's just natural. And so for the women that are struggling with it, until it reaches crisis point, they're not game to admit, you know what? I'm not feeling that overwhelming connection. I'm not feeling, you know, all the signs of postnatal. I'm not finding breastfeeding's not happening. I'm not all these things. So they sit there and go, you know, what am I doing wrong? Well, you're not doing wrong. You just don't know yet. The same as dad doesn't know yet. And so I love that. I, I, um, it's a discussion like I'm literally living in this right now. Um, and I've worked a lot on empathy. I've worked a lot on communication. I've worked a lot on my stereotype that I want to live up to my brand. Um, the showing up that I want to live up to in, as an individual, my mum raised me and was very much, you know, you're going to be capable. You're going to be a great dad. You're going to do this. So, um, what you're saying, and then, and then maybe a little bit of a different side just shows the gray areas of this discussion. And this is a discussion that can take hours, decades. You know, this is just a discussion that should always continually going around for solution focused. Um, for, I guess, my little add to that specifically to my um, follow uh, to my listeners, the I'm showing up is probably critis- critical and empathy that guys aren't, as encouraged and showing up to be fathers as they should not as a judgment against them, but because of stereotypically and socially, we're not seen as valued. So you look at a lot of guys, as you said, you know, the trades, they go, well, fuck, I'm only here for two, two weeks. Um, so I've got to go back to work. Um, so I don't really need to learn too much or know too much. So they're probably not as involved. So that's probably the critical of the community. Um, but in empathy for that. So from, listening to you being an amazing dad and from my experience and just encouraging every guy out there is, you know, um, if we were to look at differences of masculinity, man, you've got it hands down of the stereotypical. I definitely don't. If you were a bouncer in the club clubs that I went to, I probably would have acted a lot more behaved. Um, but 
I love that we're having that discussion that it's, you know, you need guys be proud to be fathers and be prepared and ask questions. I know I've just gone through the issue where we're in a we're private room um, for the birth and there was a 32 articles on this iPad um, and my partner was sleeping. She's absolutely amazing being knackered. And um, I went through and read them and I, I want to learn. I want to help. I want to know the knowledge to help um, help my partner by understanding what she's going through for the stuff that I can't do, such as the breastfeeding, but then also just being capable. Like, I, I think in masculine, I, I want to be capable. I want to be able to raise my, my child. Um, but the shock on the midwife when I was like, oh, answering questions. And she's like, hey, would you know that? I'm like, mate, it's on the 32 page document. She goes, literally sometimes mums don't even fucking read them. Um, and I'm like, cool, that's, we need to change that perception. Um, and I think it's, a holistic one because we then had the maternal health nurse come in and the two topics that you brought up, I've got a best friend who we always talk about this. And she said that um, one of the midwives said, look, your husband may not know how to change, how to do the nappies or do a swaddle very well, you know, go easy on him. You know, they're not that smart. And she's going to go, are you fucking kidding me? She goes, I don't know how to do a swaddle. What? I'm not just born with this shit. She goes, no one's taught me how to do this. And he's got, um, his brothers have kids. He knows how to do more shit than I do. I know I'm similar. I've had nephews that I've helped with, whereas my partner hasn't. Um, so I think that changing that mentality um, and, encouraging guys to kind of be that showing that we've got to step up is massive. Um, so thank you for, for doing that. Sean, here in Victoria, the first point of contact for new parents is the maternal child and health center. Mm -hmm. Shouldn't it be parental? Like, yeah. Where does dad go? And I've never felt more like a third wheel at these appointments where it was like, great, sit down, blah, blah, blah. I ask you a question. Hang on. And oh, it's... Mate, I, we sat down there and as soon as she left and not, no critical on it, on it, but as soon as she left, my partner just says, oh, I can, I know what you're thinking. And I'm like, was I even there? I'm like, did I, did I even, I'm asking questions and she referred to the partner and I'm like, hang on, well, I need to know this shit if she can't do it. Um, now, same thing, that, this, that discussion that we're having now isn't a, what about me? I want to feel important. Um, that men's, that toxic men's rights activist we talk about. What the reason why this is important to me, and hopefully you you agree, is that by engaging with men and having as paternal, just just changing it to paternal. Oh, sorry, to um, parental. Parent, parental. Um, changing it to parental. So I'm massive on you know the branding and that. Changing to parental just shows boys, teenagers, and other men that. You know, it isn't just a mother thing, you know, so, so you are automatically just a little bit involved. The flip side to that, I, I know, is, um, oh, it's standard. You know, if you were to do a survey, probably 95% of involvement would be from the female or 90% type thing. But that's what we need to change. How do we change that? We change it to paternal, uh, sorry, parental. Um, how do we, I get that the maternal health nurse would probably not have many guys even rock up. Well, that's because of we've got to, we've got to work like, you know, okay, cool. Let's have companies that go, you, your first, when you have your child, you need to be at a maternal at the parental eventually course. So you can take time off work for that. We encourage that. Um, and then when you rock up and have those nurses or midwives encouraged to engage with the father, because 
as much as it might be frustrating for six months, a year to even two years of doing that process where they just don't get the engagement because that's the stereotype and that's the, what we're in, um, you know, conditioned for eventually start to, because if you ask the, the dad, you know, he might be doing something else. You go, oh, you know, get the dad over here, get the father over here. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, mate, you're included. Come on. You then start making them feel involved and give them responsibility. I'll stop ranting about that. <laughs> oh, but I, I agree hundred percent, John. My, my spiel is, Men need to be enabled, encouraged, and then expected. Enabled means initiatives, programs, government things, get rid of this primary and secondary caregiver. The 18 weeks available to the primary caregiver, which is nearly always going to be the mum because mum has to recover from the birth. Because two weeks available to the partner, really, mum has a C-section. She ain't going back to work in two weeks. The 18 weeks available isn't shared. We should be able to go, well, mum can have the first month. I'll have the second month and we'll share the remaining month and a half that's, that's left. Yep. And I don't understand why myself and the partner can both go on annual leave together, but we can't go on parental leave together. Yep. So I don't understand where that, imagine, imagine how good it would be to be able to support each other with that infant, take the pressure off mum but by not including and dragging dads in and having a scene as vital because we offer unique developmental benefits to, to children with our interactions, guess where it ends up? So it's not a, what about me? It's, you know, dad needs to be included. If dad's not included, guess who ends up doing all the heavy lifting? The mum. Mum. <laughs> That's what's happened. It's all of the ones that are, it's, it's not about you. Well, I hate to tell you, but we're a team. So yeah. if you've got a dud on the team who's playing off the bench every five minutes, it won't happen. And, you know, it, it's just amazing now that a lot of the equality uh, debate has become like a football match with teams to be barracked for and against. And that's why I say we're never going to get anywhere. Yeah. And that's, Your issues are my issues. And, and that's the issue. And, you know, it's like, I hate the division. And I just go, well, we're all in this together. And I look and go, um, now... I'd even say give this it's 18 weeks for the primary caregiver. So we'll call it the mother for argument's sake. Um, you know, you don't have to take the mum type of thing off. I think you take a, maybe a little bit off, but then get and give that to then the father for argument's sake, but then add a little bit more because of, yeah, cool. I get that's a government incentive and it's money, but I think the, my view, that's yours was a micro view. My macro view of society is, the more engaged fathers we have, the better society is going to be. So it's worth the investment. Um, I look at a lot of the modern bloke is around reducing domestic violence, suicide and violence in society. Um, so I you know, put that as a lot of my plans. If you've got a father who is taking a long time, long-term parental leave, they're going to be more empathetic about the struggles that the mother will have, um, which can sometimes be a, a disconnect. Um, and I think a lot more involvement in the emotional side of raising children um, and yep. connection um, because they've got just more input um, into that. So I think, yeah, it's all these discussions need to be on a um, both micro level of the relationship with the 
family. And then a macro level on how society is actually going to benefit by doing this. If you look at the Nordic countries, which have a fantastic um, gender neutral uh, parental scheme and fathers are some of the most involved and they are some of the least um, ones with traditional masculine, what we would have here in Australia, they have roughly half the amount of suicide and half the amount of mental illness in men is what we do here. Now, is there a causative? I'm not 100% sure I haven't read the, the data, but there's definitely a correlation. But we've also, I began studying developmental psychology. And in the first semester, last year, first semester, fathers weren't mentioned once in any of the literature. Not once. There were studies from as recently as 1990 that were cited with over 1,000 mums in the cohort as to different parenting styles and outcomes. Not one father. You wouldn't receive funding for that study now, That's, but they're still yeah. cited. They said that you wouldn't receive funding. I think that's the discussion is, is that like it is a men's issue that you look at, you know, if you look at feminism and you look at, okay, let's look at um, the fairness is, and this is why I say the brand of man, it's, it's just not pop, like popular culture to give funding to men, like to, to father, like to that father. I think it's changing a little bit, but, like it's to me, it sounds ridiculous that you wouldn't do that um, if you're looking for the society. Um, Sean, I would say that that's our fault. Yes, and that's huge. why I say to a lot of the um, feminists and, and advocates who I've got some fantastic friends who do great work who who are on board with what I'm saying. It's about both, but that's what I'm saying. The reason that we don't get it is because we don't advocate for ourselves. Men are notorious for not speaking up or for, mate, just, you know, no. You'll be and, right. Yeah. And when, when I speak in groups of men, the depth and the level of emotion and genuine feeling that come out, the tears and the, it's just fantastic to see. And when they're in that community, but as I say to a lot of the men, how many times are you comfortable with doing that? Uh, you know, and that's why I say we're all trying to fit in with a bunch of blokes who are trying to fit in with a bunch of blokes and no one actually knows who they are anymore. Yeah. So speak up, be proud, be loud, be proud. And that's why I say since becoming a dad, I spent, I became a dad at 49. I spent the first 49 years of my life never crying. My goodness, now I cry at tissue commercials or, you know, <laughs> Christmas carols. I've just become emotionally incontinent. And, and, you know, that's and there's nothing wrong with that as a brand of, you know, and that's, that's the stereotype that we need to change is that there's, you know, that you can still, there's nothing different about you as a guy. You can still love you. As you see, you know, you go to gym and, and everything. Just if you cry, you cry for a, a TV commercial because you're in touch with your emotions. Um, but it's not that then that changes anything else that you've done that you enjoy doing. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about, men not speaking up and I a hundred percent agree. It's just not, it hasn't been in our culture. I think we've, cause we have had a free kick. Um, we have had it easy uh, in majority of areas of society that, um, you know, we haven't culturally been speaking out. I think the risk we have is that the ones that do do it incorrectly and create more divide and really yeah. affect our brand of man. So I'm glad that yourself um, is someone that's championing this what you say is the I'm showing up part that I love when you have, I love how you put um, 
It was like you got a group of blokes. What was it? The group of blokes trying to be a bunch of blokes trying to belong to a bunch of blokes who belong to a bunch of blokes. We're all just trying to fit in, and yeah. no one knows who they are. And like, I, I, I love that because if I think it's, I look, you know, this, the the culture side of it, where I think we've we've all grown up being told, but and we've all been told, but none of us actually have told the other person, and we fit in. Uh, you know, that's what we want to be. And that's why I always laugh. I do some of this stuff with football clubs and I'm like, you just look at a football club, as you said, would be an example where you've got all the individuals. If I was to have a chat to them like this or, you know, over a coffee and be like, oh, you know, what are you doing the weekend? And be like, oh man, I was so proud of my daughter. She did ballet and, you know, I was crying when she came up and hugged me afterwards and all this stuff and everything. Oh, cool. And then you go to the footy club, have a few beers and you're like, um, you know, what are you doing on the weekend? Oh, I'm parenting. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, fuck, I've got to take the kids somewhere. All right, I'm like, mate, where the fuck did this come from? And you just go, let's just all just chill and have a discussion and go, you know what, it's all right to love your kids. It's all right to love your partner and be emotional and stuff like that. Um, we all do it. We just, yeah, try to press people. John, with I'll go right back to, right back to the, at the same time that uh, I separated from my daughter's mother, I had a small car accident. And they just took me in to scan my neck. No, nothing bad, just we need to scan your neck. Scanned it, brought me out and said, look, we need to put you back through from the waist up, just to be sure. It's about four o'clock in the morning because after the breakup, I did the bloke thing. I'm going out for a bender. Went for a couple of days, ended up at a, somebody's house, waited till I was sober enough, drove home in the middle of the night. Had this small accident. After they put me through from the waist up, they said, the doctor will be back to speak to you soon. Waited about half an hour. In the end, I just got up, got dressed, went home. About seven o'clock in the morning, I've got the ambulance banging on the door. Mate, we've got to take you straight back in. You know, what's going on? I said, oh, I don't know. Get back in there and they admit me straight away. And they said, mate, you've got uh, bilateral pulmonary ambulance, so blood clots in both lungs. And leading up to the marriage breakup, I've been working like 80 hours a week, so tired, I just wanted to sleep and it was causing friction because I wouldn't go to the doctors doing the bloke things. Now I'm the provider, I'm the, you know, <laughs> got to do all this, I'll, I'll do it one day. Get back in there and the doctor says, right, we've got to get these blood clots resolved and then the oncologist will be through to speak to you. I said, oncologist, I don't have a vagina, what do I need an oncologist? He said, no, that's gynecologist. <laughs> we've found some masses in your brain and a couple of, tumours in your lung and all of the rest of it. Shit. And I'm not kidding. Suddenly, it was like I'd been punched in the guts. The wind had been taken out of me. My sister just showed up and she's like, what's wrong? I said, you're not going to believe it, sis. But suddenly my life had become like a house that was on fire. There were flames leaping through the roof and smoke billing out the windows. And suddenly I was forced to decide what was I prepared to rush back into that wreck of a house to try and salvage and the only thing I could think of was what impact this was going to have on my daughter, who was nine months old at that stage. I thought, like, you know, how will she go through the rest of her life? Will she even remember me? Disneyland popped into my head, like, you know, how bad is this? I didn't even get to go to Disneyland. And that's when suddenly all of the ego, the facade, the stupidity that a lot of us do as men came to the fore. Why didn't I go to the doctors? Like, two months earlier when my partner, my daughter's mother was actually physically saying to me, if you don't go to the doctors, I'm going to leave because I can't be around because she'd lost a, a dad to some health issues. And I was doing the big, I'll be right. I've got to earn. I've got to earn. And ever since then, that's why I say to guys, you know, just 
forget the rubbish, forget the facade, be who you are. You'll be amazed that when you speak up, the people in the crowd that come forward go, mate, I'm exactly like you. I have those feelings, those doubts, those insecurities. Mate, and all of a sudden, you've built this new community, this new tribe of men who have all come to this realisation that, gee, we were putting on an act. We were wearing a big mask there for a long time. 100%. I always say, people ask, you know, two things that I've learned from the modern bloke. Um, and one of them is vulnerability breeds vulnerability among blokes. Um, and that give the men the space and the no ego, you know, and take the stereotype away. Give the men the space to actually open up. We're fucking amazing at actually talking and engaging <laughs> with each other. Like, you know, we don't give each other enough credit. Um, you then I, and part of my, um, you know, a lot of what I do is around mental health. Now, the issue there is that people want to look at the uh, end of the mental health, mm. whereas I look at the culture. Now, you've hit the nail on the head. We're going to get rid, you know, it's just because of we've always done something some way doesn't mean that it's right. Let's just start looking at it objectively. And I think that that not giving a shit about your health, um, whether it be I don't want to go to the doctors of the stubbornness and the ego um, versus also then um, part of, you know, the eating shit, drinking shit culture, which I still do. Uh, you know, I, my diet when I'm left alone <laughs> with a, with my choice to eat is, is still not that great. But um, it's understanding what's the, in the impact. And I think you then have the choice. If we gave majority of blokes on an individual level the choice of going, um, if you go, don't go see a doctor, eat crap and drink a heap and don't exercise, you don't get to, you're going to miss out on, you know, 20 years of your daughter's life. Yeah. Or just go to the doctor, eat healthier, drink less and, and exercise more. You get then an extra 20 years with your daughter. What would you individually prefer? Don't worry about what everyone else says or don't worry what you think society has told you. What would you actually prefer to do? That, they'll all just say, well, yeah, no, I know where the value is. I'll direct you to my website. Bit of a plug here. There's a go for it. Reframing masculinity and courage. And that's why I say men are amazing. I love the way like the way we gather knowledge and expertise and um, the way that we're, we're fantastic at following rules and being loyal and having values. We just need to slightly frame it. And that's what I say when I speak to bunches of blokes, I've gone, you want to show me courage, put your hand up and tell me the last time you cried. Don't be scared of what other people are going to say, have the value of being courageous. You want to show me loyalty, don't be loyal to people who don't have values that match you. Be loyal to your family. You want to be brave? Be the one to admit that sometimes you're scared. Mm. Or, you know, and that's why I say we just need to slightly reframe it. And the problem I have with people pointing out toxic masculinity, masculinity isn't toxic. Behaviours are. Yeah. And... Um, Bad behavior isn't a flaw in your gender. It's a lack of values, compassion, because you've an empathy, because you're prepared to treat people otherwise. So it's too easy to put it off. Oh, I'm a bloke, and that's what blokes do. And you know, it dismisses and diminishes their lack of character and values. You've behaved badly. What you've done is wrong, but you're better than that. Whereas, mm. you know, that's not typical because you're a bloke. That's 
poor behavior on your part and lack of values. And stereotype is like a stain on the back of my pants. If I don't know about it, who cares? You know, other people can go, you know, he's not a man, he stays at home. And, you know, I remember when I started volunteering at my daughter's school, had a great, great job, still working, everything like that. And I was turning up in a uniform because I got sick of being asked, don't you have a job? And I'm thinking, gee, they think I'm some unemployed bum. So I would actually have the day off, but still put on my strength and conditioning uniform to go there so that I could pretend I had to rush off to work afterwards. And that's why I say to guys, if I was to say to you, like work, I'm going to give you so much to wear a uniform, behave in a certain way and do certain things. How much would you want? Oh, well, you know, I, I get 120 a year for working and I've got to wear the tie and all the rest of it. Well, what about if I wanted you to do it for 24 hours a day for the next 10 years? How much would you want? Oh, that's why I say, well, why are you giving it away for free? Why are you behaving in a way that you think everyone else expects you to behave and just be authentic, you know, just be you. You don't have to appear a certain way. If you're not as you think they think that you should appear, what will change? Yeah, I love it. Um, I think it's, I look at that, I I think after a while then, if enough of us do that, enough of us, show up and be our authentic selves, we'll find that that then becomes a stereotype. That then becomes a brand of man of, okay, well, that's what men do. Men do talk about shit. Men, I love um, the, the two things with that is um, we're talking we. It's, um, I think these conversations haven't happened enough in mm-hmm. the men's community because it's generally been an external um, discussion being told what we have to do. And we're, and um, I know a lot of men um, and for good or bad, we don't like being told what the fuck to do. Um, so it's never going to work. Now, whereas people within the community go, let's do something, you know, let's have these discussions. And then the second addition to that is it's not changing men. It's not changing masculinity. It's not changing society. It's, I call it evolving. You've said, you know, let's reframe it. And, I, you know, the same lang- language of it's just going, we're not, we're probably going down a path where it could be bad, but we can do better and just evolve. And there's no ego then of going, well, what you've done is wrong. It's just going, how about we just learn and do better and just say, okay, well, what, how can we um, move into that? Um, so I love how, yeah, the, those discussions. Um, speaking of plugs, your book. Tell us a little bit about it. Got a book coming out, uh, pre-orders in April, uh, out in June called Who Knew? It's about a lot of the things that uh, I've discovered along the way. I was, it starts off with, I was banned from my daughter's ballet. Quality advocacy came in. Sorry, just to get you to repeat the ballet thing. Um, sorry, give me one second. Yeah, just get you to repeat the ballet thing. I just had a bit of a... Um, I was banned from my daughter's ballet concert from being backstage. And that's where the equality advocacy came in because it made me realise suddenly how as much as we want equality for women until men are enabled to to step up, we won't do it. So suddenly I started to notice things like no change tables in men's room and um, being challenged going into a parent's room. used to happen 
frequently. And the more dads I speak to, the more often they're, they're asked, you know, are you right? You know, what are you doing in here? But then I started to look into a lot of the other um, things that are stopping men stepping up and also a lot of the stuff that I knew about myself. And it was just, <laughs> who knew? Like, you know, I wasted, <laughs> I really feel like I wasted the first 49 years of my life. And, you know, nothing has ever filled me with, uh, more joy or made me feel more masculine than being responsible for raising this little kid. But it's also about as much as we focus with parenting on, and it's nearly like Pavlov's dog, eliciting certain behaviours in our children. Parenting is the greatest education a man will ever have or fatherhood will. And the way you become a good parent isn't about changing your children. It's about changing yourself. And I don't think that fatherhood changes you. If you're paying attention, it actually reveals who you are. It, yeah. All of a sudden, none of that stuff matters. You know, I don't need to go to the gym, whack 160 kilos on my back because I think, you know what? I've got a dodgy knee. If I can't run around with Charlie at the park, it's not fair on her. So suddenly, I don't care. You know, I get blokes come past, geez, your weights have dropped off a bit. And it's... <laughs> yeah. And it's like, where's the... Um... It's like who cares? I'm not. Um, in touch, two things that I see is important, um, which I'm loving as the experience of fatherhood, and I want to continue to push. Um, is while well, one has been proud of being a great father, you know, and I think that is a, I call it the showing up type thing is watching a footballer win a grand final and walk around with his children in the grand final cup is a powerful image. Yep. Now we need more of that. Um, I, you know, so what you are doing is amazing because if you're going to have that ripple effect um, and I'll just touch, won't go into it too much because it will wrap up in a sec, but fighting for equality is one that I wanted to just get in there because as I say, the brand of man, it doesn't seem to be, as stereotypically male or masculine to fight for equality. And I think we need to change that, that it shouldn't seem weird, you know, weird we should be fighting for equality, both for women's issues and for men's issues. I think if we expect women to give a shit about us, we need to actively give a shit and do more about them. Um, not for the reason they give a shit about us, but because it's the right thing to do in the fighting for equality advocacy. What's your experience being a male in that? Um, it, it's really good on on total, Sean. There there are some, as I say, there, there's always the extreme of both sides. There's some men's rights advocates, and there's some really, um, you know, far to the to the other end that blame men personally. And that's why I say, you know, by enabling women and that's why i say please don't think i'm drawing a straw man um or a false equivalency you know wasn't that long ago women couldn't have their own bank account couldn't vote you know even now we have conservative movements that don't want to give women you know control over their own reproductive rights and you know there would be wars fought if things like that you know ever ever got suggested for for men's body but the two are inextricably linked and until we, and that's why I say, as men, 
we love defending the underdog. We love sticking up. We're always taught, you know, you don't let somebody bully your friends and, you know, you always stand up for people who are being um, picked on. And if by us stepping into the fore with our children and within the home, because let's face it, we want successful relationships. We want successful families. And the quickest way to advance true equality and have the cultural change that do it won't happen with initiatives, programs or decrees from the government. It will happen with what we model within the home because what our kids see will be what they'll expect and what they'll demand from their next relationship. And then eventually equality will become the default and the workplaces will then have to adapt to suit it. But at the moment, we've got workplaces shaping family dynamics and roles because dad's expected to work 80 hours a week and mum's still seen as the primary caregiver. So, you know, you want to shift things quicker, have it within the home and then go, you know what, honey, I've just been offered a job, but it means I'm going to have to travel two weeks out of every month. So the kids are yours. Well, hang on. Equality is our value. We can do without the extra money, can't we? And maintain our, you know, I'm doing three days and you're doing three days and, you know, we do one day each with the kids. So stick it there because if anything good could come out of the high divorce rate is eventually there's not going to be mummy, dad jobs and daddy jobs. It's just going to be, you know, this crap needs to get done jobs around the house. I love that because in terms of probably going further into that, I'll leave people to go onto your website and to go onto Instagram and discuss that with you because I totally agree. And that's the one that we could probably definitely go in um, for hours uh, about when you, if you're anyone's listening that is in corporate, um, but also, you know, has employees that are fathers and mothers and stuff that then go, you can lead from the front by doing this. Cause if not, our values are definitely changing. So guys values are changing. We're changing as fathers in society. So you can either be the forefront or you can start losing employees because of they're sitting there and you're going to go, mate, I need this job that I've got needs 80 hours a week or two weeks out of a month um, out. And that's okay because of it. Generally I get guys and they are scared and pressured to provide for their family. So I've always got enough people wanting to get the money or do the time. Um, eventually that's going to stop and guys are going to go, no, nah, um, I prefer to spend time with my family because of that's where my values are. And you're going to run out of employees. And if, if you don't change your jobs to suit that, then that's, you know, you're going to fall on your own sword. So um, work with us. Um, if you do then want to get in contact with someone, reach out through me or go straight, um, straight to Michael Ray. Does that seem fair enough? Sounds great to me, Sean. <laughs> Look, thank you very much. It's probably not the last time we'll talk, especially on the podcast. But I, I think outside of that, what you're doing is amazing not only for men in society, not only for society in general, but for Charlie and just, yeah, one of the epitomes of showing up. So thank you for coming on. Thanks so much, Sean. Really appreciate the opportunity. Cheers. Okay. That's another wrap up of another podcast. Thanks for everyone that's listening. Thanks to the guests that are on. Um, if you want to support us, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, but mainly you leave a comment, um, especially with the episode that you've listened to and the guest that was on, um, show some support for them. Go give them a follow, jump over to Instagram, make sure your followers over there. 
And to help out, guys, if you see any content that you think's valuable, make sure you share it. Tag us in the stories because we all know that's the best way to help guys is just to put it out there and let them grab it. Um, if any of these stories or conversations have triggered anything for you emotionally, make sure you go and speak to Lifeline, Beyond Blue, or a mental health professional. See you in the next episode.